today, we're going to talk about something that we really suck at. <laughs> like, I swear it comes up every single week. It's typically the cause of most of our issues. I'm sh- I know we've talked about it before on this podcast. And the, that's right. It's communication, which I know is a little bit ironic in that here we are on a podcast, which is a form of communication, talking about how we're actually bad at it. But let's have a little group therapy, talk about what we screwed up here, maybe hash out some ideas on how we're going to fix it. All of that today here on Drink What You Think, the happy hour podcast where us firm owners are talking about the weird ways that we're building and often messing up our firm. I'm your host, Kenji, and there's my good buddy, co-host, Matthew. Matthew, who is our sponsor today? Today's episode of Drink What You Think is sponsored by the Fearsome Foursome. That's right, folks. The AI CPA Accelerator had four companies at Digital CPA throw a bash that's all was heard around Las Vegas. The Fearsome Foursome was Four Impact Data, Cinder, Tax Plan IQ, and you're always your favorite, Verify IQ. Those four companies, you should check check out what they're making an impact in the profession in meaningful ways. The Fearsome Foursome from the AICPA Accelerator. Thank you. How about that? Fearsome yeah. Foursome. Yeah. I've heard of that. I like that. I like that group. It was it was a bit fearsome on oh, Monday yeah. night in Vegas, wasn't it? Yeah, it worked out really great though. Like it was a fun time getting to know all those guys better. And it's even cooler. Everybody should check out their technologies. It's really cool what they're doing in the space. It was fun. Also, too, if you've if you've got an up and coming technology that serves the accounting space, I really recommend looking at the AIC, AICPA startup accelerator program. It's been a good program. I, I really recommend sending us beer and you too can be a sponsor. <laughs> that, that is correct. Use hand too. All right, Matthew, what are you drinking today? I'm drinking uh, from Phase Three Brewing Company. Th- this NIU toasted. I almost grabbed that one. Yeah. Order. So, yeah, it's a nice. It's a nice one. Um, it is uh, out of uh, Lake Zurich, Illinois. So. Yeah, that's a that's a Chicago one I've seen before. Um, I'm not sure who sent us that one, but whoever did, thank you. Yeah. Um, but. I should have, we need to do one of these where we're drinking the same beer together again. We haven't done that in a little while. So I'm curious. I almost grabbed that one. Uh, I don't like your beers, though. Yeah, no, no, I know. Uh, how was it? First hit? What do you think? It was pretty good. I've had this. I've had this one. I stole the three that he sent. Uh, this was oh, who, I see. Uh, cheater. This is who uh, sent the thank you last time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. All right. From Cigar City. Again, told you I like that brewery. Uh, the Florida Man IPA. What a great name. That's one of the better names we've had on here. The good old Florida Man IPA. It's a 6.5%. They also sent me the double Florida Man, the Florida Man double IPA. That just felt a little too much. I, I was a little too much coming out of Vegas this week. A little aggressive. I'm trying to, I'm trying to dry out a little bit. Um, so we'll just go with the regular Florida Man IPA. Cheers, um, man. Cheers, my man. Let's try this guy. So since we can't communicate, how are we going to talk about communication? We're just going to talk about things we messed up in communication. But here's something. Here's what I hear you say all the time. Would someone just pick up the phone and fix the problem? So I hear Matthew say this a lot. He's very big on just pick up the phone and fix the problem. So I guess my question is, so do do you believe that all communication problems could be fixed, you know, by this 
really fixed using this kind of integrated technology known as a telephone where one person speaks live to another person. Is that, is that all it takes? We just need to go back to some of the basics. I think if you're using an 80, 20 kind of rule, yes, I do believe that fundamentally (laughs) is like two people that are decision makers need to get on the phone and just have a civil conversation. Man, you just don't get tone and intention on email or Slack. Neither of those platforms, text, and God forbid you put a capital letter in anywhere. Like, just like, just like there's so much, what do they say? Like 90% of communication, oral communication is nonverbal. Like, if you take out 90% of the communication, like, yes, there's communication problems. Like when you just do written words, if that's only 10% of verbal communication, it's like you lose so much context, dude. Yes. So much context. Yes, I do believe that. I, I do believe the world would be a better place. If people just picked up the phone. How many yeah. people pick up the phone though these days? Uh, no, that counts with video calls like this too, though, dude. Sure. Like, that's true. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm just more thinking about like, my kids and others who never pick up the phone. It's all text, all text these days. So I hear yeah, you. And they have really meaningful relationships, right? With other people, huh? <laughs> <laughs> they probably would tell us they do. Like I do it. I do it on Instagram, on TikTok. So much more I communicate through that, but um, we'll maybe get to some future communication plans. But so let's talk a little bit about like what, maybe internally, how our communications strategies have changed, evolved over the years. And again, the backdrop on this is, listen, we're constantly having to evolve and change things. And I think you and I, even this past week, we're talking about some different meetings we're looking to have at Acuity next year and changing some things, but like we're constantly evolving. You want to maybe chat it up here a little bit about what, how is our Internally, how we communicate change, as you've seen it over the past decade since you've been here at Acuity. Timing's the big thing, I think. I think when you're starting out and you have five, ten people, like you can talk to people about stuff because they know. Well, there's a part of this where, like, when your employees know you personally and have been around you and kind of know your style, versus like then like moving to communicate in a different place. But I think. The timing piece is what's always gotten me is like when we have ideas now at our size, like it used to be we could just talk to people about them, right? And now we've got to like form them, foreshadow them, give them a little more later, like over a period of six months, three months, six months, a year in some cases. Like so we're having to make decisions and communicate in like stages more as you grow. Yeah. That's a hard. Did did you, I was thinking back about like, actually about the timing of this. Did you ever even have an office at Acuity? Like, did you ever? Uh, I did. Was there back? I couldn't remember if it went back even far enough to where we actually had like that traditional physical office space up by. Yeah. Yeah. I had Stuart's office. I had the big cabinets and the. That's right credenza that i don't know where it is like who needs that um yeah yeah, i had an office with a door that closed and everything and then kelly sat right outside my door and like laughed when i would do like the weekly revenue report on paper that's Um, right 
she still has that piece of paper. I think she thinks she's. I guess that's right. I couldn't remember if you had ever. I was trying to think of your entire experience at Acuity. It always been like that hybrid remote that we've done, right? And trying to communicate that means. I mean, I guess it hasn't been, but I mean, no, because remember Snowpocalypse? I was out at the office, and so was Sharon. And I, I left an hour before. I got home in an hour and a half. She got slept in her car, if I recall. So like that's but that was because traffic changed so much in that hour and that Snowpocalypse. By and large. Most of your experience at Acuity, the vast majority of it's been in a remote environment or a hybrid in remote environment, right? So, well, I used um, to go to clients too, like mm-hmm. if you remember. How I'm trying to think when that changed with us clients. I mean, flipping from the in, I mean, yes, yeah, so just to maybe cap off some of the internal stuff. And again, we've always had communication issues. Every firm owner I talk to actually says this is probably the number one issue. And it is, it's easy to get siloed it's easy to especially in the world of remote now to kind of do your own thing um to not pay attention on the zoom to kind of want to do everything asynchronously to do everything let me just slack somebody or send me email somebody um the environment kind of is more conducive to that but i tend to find you're right that most that's where things kind of go wrong and i do think that i will say however the counterpart to that i think is I I do. I don't know. If, do you feel like you have less meetings than you used to historically? Maybe not. Maybe your role is a little bit different right now. But in general, are there less meetings? Oh, no. For, no? Ten times as many meetings for me. Jeez. Like, it's just crazy. Like, I have way more meetings than when we started. Like, I'm... Like, if you look at my calendar, like, I'm meetings. They're not... Other than Wednesday, which I block off, I don't think there's a day where I don't have four meetings. At least, Jeez. maybe, maybe average six. You're communicating all day long. Of those, okay. So let's say you've got you've you've got four. Are you said average four, minimum four, or average six? Probably average six. So you probably average. Let's just call it. You're averaging between twenty and twenty-five meetings a week. That's what I do. No. What's yeah. the breakdown of those? Are those with are those internal? How much? What percentage of those are internal versus external? Seventy five percent internal. Okay. And most of those are. So there's like, I think five a week or some kind of team meeting I'm participating in. One of those I lead. Mm-hmm. And four or five I participate in. And then typically I'm unblocking somebody or doing some technical support for the other 15 to 20. Yeah. Then then the other outside ones are friends in the space, podcasts, um, webinars, like planning, pros- like some referral partner that we're trying to deal with, some tech partner some client that's pissed like that's that's what the, be my the client that's pissed one i mean it's interesting i was listening through that um you got to kind of client the client one last like right like really it is pretty interesting when you think about you and i as firm owners the amount of time we spend communicating you and i directly to clients is really really low it's very low maybe it's maybe unhealthily low i think mine's uh, a little too low i've got some things i want to do next year differently on this but I think I have one, I do one client call a year max. 
like a month, a week, sorry, max. Like okay. one, one of those is a client typically. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if all of the, I'm thinking my but, calendar blocks, so I might be thinking wrong, but like I could see there. Yeah. There's usually something like that. That's about right. I would have to look at my calendar, but. Well, so you've got a good data set essentially then of like, all right, lots of, com- lots of communication happening. And it sounds like in a lot of those, you are having to fix things. You know, and again, I'm going to assume a lot of those were you're trying to bridge some gaps of communication. You're trying to well, say, hey, where did this go wrong? What are, well, are if there... you're in that many meetings, right? You're you can only unblock things. You can't push things forward. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like that's one of my challenges. What do Wednesday you is keeping Wednesday clean so I can push things forward? What, what when you say unblock? Are there any themes to that of like, oh, these are typically the kinds of like types of things you're having to unblock for people? There's there's kind of some categories. Uh, yeah. One kind is like teaching, like supplementing a technical expertise, right? That can be mm-hmm. an accounting technical thing or a management thing, like somebody trying to seek us out for like a person like that needs to do like on the accounting technical stuff, warrant right. accounting, stock option accounting, purchase accounting, sure. like some technical, kind of ca- technical accounting needs, or maybe sounds like technical, really technical accounting needs or other professional development, maybe the other piece. Yeah. One's like um, other stuff is like some stupid request a bank has that we have to figure out a way to help a client. Right. Like this is not uncommon. Like a client is trying to get a mortgage and because they, are not W2'd like their bank or somebody needs something or like some jurisdiction like Japan, this happened in with us. They're like, we need to understand from a CPA what's going on. So like figuring that stuff out with the client or with the staff, like sometimes it's with the clients. Most of the time it's not. Most of the time it's with our team that's got the information that talks to me. And then we figure that out. So those are like, I'm the technical bucket on the other bucket is people that, need a sounding board um mm-hmm. a sounding board because there's two reasons they need a sounding board is one they need a sounding board and the other one is they don't feel empowered to make a decision without clearing it mm-hmm. so like trying to get your buy-in trying to get your support so they might come to me thinking that like they're trying to get approval for something versus being the sound so like for approval versus sounding board mm-hmm. like we're trying to push a lot of those folks to like that's a fine to do that as a sounding board is like, but them to understand what their approval authority is. So there's lots of education right now on like what people's approval authority is. So, yeah. and there's, yeah. and then there's one, I mean, the other category means is one-on-ones like recurring people. I'm trying to invest time sure. in. Sure. That, so that, I want to that, dig. That's mostly unblocking people, right? Like, yeah, that's still unblocking. Taylor, Lisa, like whoever needs unblocking, like, those are the two main people I I I, I like regularly like we'll say you like either unblock or and those typically have the most responsibility over the most people so that makes sense right there's their right like that's yeah, so they're that's having, just they're, stuff they're you don't want to do in a vacuum right like that's totally right like right. at least doesn't want to make a decision for 150 people in a vacuum Taylor doesn't want to make his decision for 75 people in a vacuum they want a sounding board right so. And I consider that unblocking, but that's like, right. it's not really, I don't know. But 
it's a necessary part of that decision making to make a responsible decision is to have a sounding board or somebody to unblock let's go back to something you said because i think getting back to where we stumble and have issues i heard you say people using you as a sounding board they come and present it like it's a sounding board issue but really if they're trying to they're they're concerned about they don't feel like they have authority they don't feel like they have they want to run it by you hey be my sounding board they're lo- looking for your approval your support and i do think as you said that that's one of our areas where when we think about we don't communicate well we have really good people who don't go back to your point of picking up the phone and taking action. The act of picking up the phone is an act is being actionable and take, I have authority. I'm going to move forward. And it makes me wonder how common that issue is amongst firms as they grow and scale. Right. I, we, we talk about a lot. We try to give people authority. We feel like we're implicit about that, but I think I've felt that sometimes when we, we don't communicate well, it's people who are reluctant to take, to use the authority that I feel like we try to give them. Is that a fair statement well, or something two, there that we need that, to improve? That, I mean, I, I I think there's some people like I have, I had a false assumption that when you give implied authority, that everybody will take it and run with it. And that's just not true. And that was like, <laughs> we, we do, right? the, we're the types who you give us a little bit, we'll take a mile, but I think that's not the norm. So the the importance of explicit authority is something I've realized this year, like for the first time in my yeah flipping that career, explicit versus almost, implicit yeah is is being like like implicit like implied authority is not real authority at the end of the day is my new mm. framework. It is kind of like the cop out management technique that you and I have used. To like, that's a very very good point okay whoever steps up can make that decision versus like hey my expectation of you is this this and this and this is the level where you need to check with me yeah it was a very different message than like whatever but like lisa is a person that like just took it right she just she understood that implied authority over time was not implied by us like we like right. we explicitly trusted but other people in their careers depending on what stage they're at are like and i would say most people need explicit authority and i feel like the way we managed early versus how we're kind of moving towards managing this last year is much more responsible and intentional mm-hmm. about allowing authority then it becomes an education process remember we've talked about this you have the authority to make this decision i'm happy to be your sounding board but you get to make this decision right so that's been an interesting that's a reason that that is probably in that arc of development of our communication right is oh for sure uh, an authority is uh, moving from implied to you know explicit authority um and calling out the areas, it doesn't, and it doesn't mean I think you have to go and say, here's the whole list of things you can do. I think we've tried to be a little more clear about no, no, it's only these things that you need to check with us, the rest of it. So there still is a lot of autonomy to make decisions. 
But it is interesting where I think in a lot of cases, not just communication, I think you and I have found this in workflow as well too, that many of us feel hamstrung when you're put on checklists or workflow, or here's the only, I'm going to only give you explicit authority for these. I think that's a mistake that firm owners, us in general, make. We like to operate without those boundaries, but there's actually, I think the majority of our team really expect deserve and operate better when we give more clear frameworks and guidelines around, oh, here's how the work should be done. Here's what your explicit authority is. It doesn't mean they're less of a leader. They're just looking to work in a different way that has maybe more structure than we do. And I think that's a learning that we're slowly getting through our thick, stupid heads, you know, as, as owners, like, oh, people don't want to do it like Kenji and Matthew and run wild they most people actually like to have some guidelines how to operate yeah that's a that's a big learning i think on our part and um let me flip this over the client side because it is an area that it almost always ends up a lot of things end up impacting clients we had most of the stuff it felt like this week was like internal communication breakdowns we often have client communication breakdowns and like i guess um I don't feel like we get enough communication from clients. Like, I don't know. Have you run across any firm owners or anybody you've talked to out there, any other firms or just do a really good job of getting kind of client communication how to do that? Like, it just feels like that is so hard. Back and forth. Well, I think it's hard. It's hard at a certain service level. So, like, if you're trying to do a sub thousand dollar a month bookkeeping it's client, impossible. it's damn near impossible to have an optimal framework, right? You just have to hit the perfect kind of client profile yeah. and stuff like that, and you just need really good people. Like, if you're going to move up market, like when you look at like what Jody's doing at Summit, right? Or uh, I guess it's Anders now. Um, like, so if you look at what Jody Grundon's done, like he's built into his packages forced client communications. So he has like, a, at least in the upper packages, I think it's right. really doable. So like if you have like a, so call the bookkeeping package our compliance package or whatever and say there's a premium package. I think if you build into the premium package, a mandated weekly meeting, I think there is a chance to have good communication with your clients. I think so too. <laughs> I think that's the key is like distinguishing between acknowledging that there is a level of effort and required to have premium client communication and just be okay with that. And I think that's somewhere around $50,000 a year client. Yeah. Like if you have a $50,000 a year client, you can have great communication. You can't. Right? I was gonna, I was just going to say, you talk about us, right? So on our lowest level, our lowest level, you're talking about a $5,000 a year client. You're just not going to have... Great communication. A whole lot of communication. I and at, at the upper end of it, you and I have both had three hundred, three hundred and fifty thousand dollar a year clients. When you and I were out there doing CFO advisory work, guess there's what? No, there's no choice but to have good communication. Guess with what? We were in there absolutely communicating. I mean, we knew everything yeah. going on. 
with those clients. And yeah, we, so, knew, we knew everything in every department. You, we knew stuff we didn't want to have to know. Like, we I didn't want to know this. We knew. I do not want to know that so-and-so is getting a divorce over here. I don't want to know that whatever. I, I don't want to. I mean, you're, you're already, you're way over. You're, yeah, there's a lot. But I think that's probably right. It's interesting thinking about that spectrum of spend as it relates to communication. But, you know, having, thinking about probably where Jody's at or where anyone's at, like maybe whether it is the, okay, now you're at $50,000 below that or whatever the benchmark is, it's going to be a little choppier, right? It's more of, it is more of a, I need, the clients even should be expecting to set it and forget it. I'm just having you do something here for me versus there is a point to where, okay, your level of spend, your level of interaction is going to require you to have a much more regular communication plan. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going through that process right now. And I think we're getting really intentional with this communication and client outreach. But there's a clear premium category to me around weekly or biweekly meetings with like really competent team members. There's a clear, like, kind of uh, compliance based one. That has to be heavy, heavy email, maybe async video communication, but very little in-person video. The The one I'm struggling with is this middle group of people that are kind of like, because this kind of goes along with the stages that our clients are at. Like some clients just want compliance. Some have like deep needs. And then there's a big ass group in the middle, right? That are yeah. like yeah. getting out of like wanting, like. They're more than just wanting tax return. They're now they're trying to make business decisions. They're trying to get to the place where they have a board. They're trying to hit that five million revenue mark or ten million revenue mark or whatever that is, and like get to a real sustainable business. So there's like these three groups that I think require different communication expectations of the firm owner of their staff, right? Yeah. <clears throat> there's only so much you could do in each. There's a ceiling on each of those places that I you agree. can do and still make money on the account. It makes me wonder if, you know, you and I get kind of tired and other people do too of the word advisory because it's kind of vacuous. It's hard to express real meaning with it. I wonder if it's really, really more about that communication expectation. Like people aren't, you're not just popping in and giving recommendations without a relation, without communication. What you're really talking about is you need with your accounting and financial team to have a regular communication rhythm. We need to be talking. And yes, things like advice and experience falls out during a conversation, right? It's yeah. not like someone just shows up and says, well, I've never heard of you guys, but let me drop my advice, advice on you as advisory. It is more of a it's upper tier levels. You got to build in your model somehow, the expectation that you are going to have communication because that's probably really what advisory is. Is like, oh yeah, cool. We're not just doing the work, i.e., compliance. We are actually going to spend time, build time, time together with you, where we are going to talk, we are going to communicate, and that's where like, oh, decisions get made. Like, right, we're gonna help make decisions. And the only way that happens is in communication. We have to be able, you have to be willing as a client to carve out that time and that spend to spend on a time for us to communicate 
with you. We have to have team members who are also okay with it saying, cool, I want to go into a meeting with a client versus no, no, I just want to sit back and do this, right? So there's kind of like that both sides, client and team member have to say, yeah, we got to enter into an agreement where we got to communicate regularly and discuss things. Then you're probably really in what's ideally an advisor. You're in a relationship with someone to where, oh, there's other work that can be done over here, or this just popped out. We got to shift our focus. But almost that bilateral agreement of, yep, that's the place we got to get to in this relationship. Because if we do, then you're really doing quote unquote advisory work. Yeah. Where I get annoyed with people is like, there is also like everybody keeps talking about the Holy Grail being this like level three relationship. Like, I think there's value in building a business around each of those pockets. Personally, I think those are all worthwhile efforts. And I just, that's why I get pissed at advisory because that's just people pushing you to the top and you leave out this huge group of entrepreneurs when you do that, that need help. Cause yeah, this is a, a lot of this has to do with where the entrepreneur is in their financial literacy journey. And some of it has to do with where their business is and what they can afford. Yeah, right. For sure. For but sure. it's, it's more about their, like what they understand versus their finances typically um, when they make that decision. Because second timer entrepreneurs, they get the finance people involved here way earlier, way earlier, way earlier. So I, that yeah. makes me think it's more about the entrepreneur and their financial literacy journey than the, what they can afford. That definitely informs it too. It definitely informs it for sure, in a big way. I mean, budget matters, but not as much as everybody thinks. Yeah. So let's finish one more question, and then we'll rate some beers. Um, I don't know. Any any kind of predictions? We got a lot of these questions on our AMA last time about predictions. We think about communication, um, future trends in communication, and we think that are coming kind of in the accounting space, or maybe just in businesses in general, and, and what we or others should be looking at. I mean, I think we've come through a little bit of a time of like, you and I've talked about, like we've tried to take, that's one of the reasons why we're doing a video podcast. And we tried to take note of, oh, the way our kids communicate because actually right. we're getting to be older mm-hmm. guys and our kids are closer to age than a lot of our clients. And that's how they want to communicate. So, okay, we probably should stop. We need to keep blogging, but we need to find other ways to communicate with clients. What, what else are you seeing or thinking about that's like, oh, future types of communications, either internally or externally? Well, I do think. At the end of the day, the people that pick up the phone and call and fix the problem are going to win. Because AI can't do that. Listener, listeners and viewers, did you hear that? Matthew's back at his 80-20 rule. Of the telephone is going to be... It can be Alexander video. Graham you can talk on a Google Meet or a Zoom or whatever you want. Yeah, I'm giving you a show. But like a human conversation... To resolve things, the people that can do that, plus optimize the AI stuff, is going to be the thing over people that just optimize the AI stuff. Right? Tell me about what do you, what do you mean by it when you say optimize the AI stuff? Yeah, you can do like a whatever. If you're an accounting firm owner, 
And you're Inside like you. thinking, thinking that AI is going to be the answer and all that. And that's how you're going to be your differentiator. Like if you can pick up like the phone and call and fix all the problems, I think you might be right. If you just think that AI is going to be the answer, you should go build a technology company. You're not going to be a services business that's going to be successful and scale. Like you're going to be a technology company and there's a place for that. So like, but that's going to happen there. Right. Um, and the ones of the service companies that are still service oriented are going to win. Like you think of that's with all the technology companies we deal with. Like half sure. the time we give a, like we pick a technology company or stick with one because their service is so great when the problem, because like when a, at the end of the day, when there's a problem and you can't fix it, it doesn't matter how good the tech is. It yeah. just drives you bat crazy, you know? That's my prediction. I, I, I think we can't not pick up the phone no matter how good AI gets. I agree with you depending on um you stop how, it, I agree with you. That's fine. No, I no, I will never stop it. I agree with you. That's the that's the best you're gonna get. Um I, is depending on what needs to be I, I think right now and i and i know where your head's at and i actually agree with it when it's an issue when there's an issue i won't call it a crisis i mean you could go let's go on one of the spectrum there's crisis communication you better believe that better be people picking up the phone and talking and being reactive and quick and responsive and all the things chatting back and forth right that's gotta it's gotta happen it's got to happen i think if you're in the area of where the issue is almost crisis-like I think as you move the other direction and some of the communication becomes more, we are trying to keep people engaged in the know. I think you can have some different forms of that too. Um, All of those, I think, can have a more human element. I think they can have more of a, I think is the obvious thing that we should be thinking about, I think is, or for me is, is that, when you say phone, that represents we are two people or more going to carve out time to have a meeting and talk face to face, right? From one end of the spectrum, depending on the severity of the issue. On the other end, there may be some ways you can do it asynchronously. You can maybe communicate a little differently, but it still gives people their time, but gives them the human element, the emotion. Um, I think there's more of that. I mean, I think everyone these days, I mean, things like Loom and this, you know, other kinds of videos you can drop to people were newer a couple of years ago. I think more and more are using it now. I think people realize those can be very effective for certain types of communication. And uh, but and I think when it's I something think, that's I, I think a you're level right. of importance I, or severity, but it's, it's it's a little hard to how do you meter that? How do you move that along a spectrum? So I think to 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 build off that, because you said it better than me in certain ways, but like on the my point is on the crisis end of the spectrum. So once you get to a certain level of automation and AI usage on the other side, I think in the long run, the people that manage the crisis communication the best are going to be the long run winners. Yeah. And that because that's how you demonstrate the integrity of your firm. That's how you demonstrate your decision making, your culture, like all those things, not just to that client, but to people internally. And I think that's the place where i'm saying those people always win 
Yeah. And, and you, you know what? And so maybe this informs what that future tech could look like is it doesn't replace all the technology, but maybe what it does, it takes the issue or the matter at hand. It helps you discern whether it's you, me, or any team member discern where it is across that spectrum. What is the next step? Like, right? Think about the workflow. Oh, it's this kind of issue or this kind of issue or this kind of problem or whatever it might be. It helps people understand, oh, there's some different ways to respond to that. We've got tools and ways to do it. Some of them might be old school. You better grab that phone and go. Others are, oh, it's come through this way. That, if there's a way, I get it. There's lots of requests. I think this is where communication breaks down. And this is probably back to your exact point about explicit versus implied is going through and looking at, um, I know, kids kids here. Should have wished her happy birthday. Kids being back. That's right. Happy Um, birthday, Stella. Is is having maybe some technology help you discern what are going to be those, the ways like, oh, this issue needs to go in this channel or in this funnel here, right? Because I think that's where when people don't feel like we've given them explicit authority, they don't, they don't know what the next step is. They're, right. they're not clear that the step that we would take is the same one they would take. It'd be cool if technology helps saying, oh, this is this type of issue. It needs to go through this type of support mechanism. Boom. Someone's going to pick up and go. Or like, oh, this one's not that much of a priority. This can kind of funnel back into this support level. And like that can be, that can that can push them to a blog post or an old video we did on X, Y, and Z and no one has to deal with it, right? It'd be interesting to see if the technology can help solve that issue. Well, already at our size, right? We have four levels of issues, right? We have like an issue, like if we can automate it and get to a certain point, the service team can deal with it. If it gets to a certain point and we automate it, like then the ops manager can deal with it. At this point, the team lead can deal with it. Then after that, the the service line leader has got to get involved, right? So like, like there's stages of this throughout, but it's all kind of common. Like you have to have a baseline of tech adoption to me in each of those areas, but the winner is still going to be the person with the baseline that picks up the damn phone. <laughs> You know, versus somebody that has the best AI tool. You, you'll, you'll. I, I agree. I think you'll be the winner. The, the the issue you'll run into there is, can you find the people who are willing to work under that model? Can you find enough accounts who are willing to pick up the phone? Will will for many people that just tax them tremendously? Is that is that just so hard that makes their job like, oh yeah, uh, like I have to pick up the phone again, right? But yes, you're right. In the short term. More more responsive is always going to win. Always yeah, going to win. Nice. All right, let's rate some beers. Okay. Um, I've got mine already pulled up here. I've got the Florida Man. First of all, by the fact that its name is Florida Man, there's the birthday girl. By Ooh, the way, eight point five percenter. Wow, that's heavy for you. It's a six and a half. Happy birthday, Matthew. Just said happy birthday. Um, all right, so it's a six and a half bigger, but um, it's I, I like it. I, I like it quite a bit. This is going to get a going to get. A, I'm going to go four or five. I just like that. I like it. Yeah, solid. Yeah, it's for those profile. of you that are listening to the podcast, when I said happy birthday, that was Kenji's daughter walking in the background of his YouTube video. That's, That's awesome. True. She's walking. Yeah, who's the in kids from are... New Zealand? So 
I know it's kids home. popping in. Matthew, I mean, you're you're drinking the um, the NIU toasted coconut portal from Phase Three. And you're not having any good. Maybe it's just the toasted coconut porter from phase three. Okay. Let's just try try one more time there. If I can't find it, while you're just tell me a little bit about it while I'm looking for it. Um it's a coconut porter, so like you gotta like coconut, right? Like that's (laughs) that's a like um, but I'm not a big coconut fan. Uh, I knew it. I knew it. It's not a it's not a heavy coconut taste so don't be scared if you don't like coconut on this toasted coconut porter um it's an there it is um i'm i'm gonna go uh pretty strong here it's i'm gonna go four two five with this one it's a really really lovely finish it's a great beer so awesome if you're not a big coconut fan it's okay it's okay it won't won't jump out and bite you it won't won't jump out and bite you it's don't be afraid don't be scared. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. What me and Matthew tell you when it comes to communication and to some of the beers we drink is don't be scared. Don't be scared. That's the moral, that's the moral of the story. All right, y'all. Thanks for jumping on with us. Like and subscribe because that's what you're supposed to do and say at the end of the podcast. But uh, also pop us some comments. We love the AMA episode from last time. Check that one out. We're going to do more of those. We may even have some more special guests. But here's to you, Matthew. And everyone who joined us. Thanks, everyone. Cheers.